What's up, guys? Welcome back inside yet another episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. It's your host, Chris Rosvogel. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Rosvogel Report. Follow the YouTube page and subscribe. Uh, Big Easy in the Big Apple is the same name for that. And on Instagram, Saints underscore podcast. Now, let's get into it. This is a show coming from you right after the Saints defeated the Tennessee Titans in a wild game in which they were down 14-0, and they stormed all the way back to win it. Um, And a lot to talk to, a lot of good and a lot of bad. Um, And I'm going to address each one. But let's start off with what really impressed me. And the best part about that game was that Michael Thomas goes on to make history. And he passes Marvin Harrison for the most receptions in a single season. Um, And I'm just in awe of everything that he's able to do. He's already at 145 catches, 1,688 receiving yards, and nine touchdowns. So he has the most receptions he's ever had in a season, the most receiving yards he's ever had in a season. And one more touchdown would be the most touchdowns he's had in a season. And what makes this so impressive is that he's doing this after receiving a big contract. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but the narrative around the league, and rightfully so, is a lot of these players get paid and then they slack off. And for Mike, it's been the exact opposite. He got paid and now he's trying to show them that he's worth every single penny and then some. And I'm telling you, and I'm going to keep saying it again for as long as Michael Thomas is on the Saints, this contract is a bargain for them. Because they're paying a guy $20 million a year, and he is by far the best wide receiver in football. And everyone keeps saying, well, you know, you force feed him. Yeah, the force feeding him because he's wide open because you simply can't cover a guy who runs routes as physical as he does. Um, And and I genuinely mean this. He's the best wide receiver in football. Um, And I tweeted this out, and and I feel strongly about this. If he were to play his whole career with Drew Brees, like let's say Drew Brees was in his prime right now, and those two would be forever uh, on the same team length. I think Michael Thomas would break every wide receiver record there is known to man. Maybe not touchdowns because he doesn't catch touchdowns um, as much as other receivers do. But you're talking about receptions. You're talking about yardage. What is there that, you know, what's left for him to do that people think um, he needs to accomplish in order to be the number one wide receiver? Everyone keeps making excuses. The guy has 466 receptions through his first four years. He's got 5,475 receiving yards. Everything that people thought a guy like Odell Beckham would be, a guy like Julio Jones, and Julio Jones has had a Hall of Fame career, don't get me wrong. Everything that those receivers have been hyped up to be, Michael Thomas has eclipsed them at that mark in year one, year two, year three, and now year four, where he's putting up absurd numbers. And he probably, um, by his standards, got shut down in the first half. And then the second half, it was just throw it a mic, throw it a mic, throw it a mic. And his touchdown... And the the catch where he broke the record came at the most important time. They were up three. They needed a score to put the game on ice, and you throw it a 13 and let him make the biggest play of the game. Um, so my I got to tip my cap. Before I start anything about this game and recap what happened and answer some of your questions, I got to tip my cap to Michael Thomas because what he did for the 15th straight game was exceptional. 
He's had nine different games with 10 receptions or more. Just think about how great and how hard it is to do that. But he made it look easy this entire season. He deserves this record. And I don't know if anyone's going to ever break this record again other than him, at least for the time being, because he's just a reception machine. What an amazing season for the best wide receiver in the National Football League. Now let's switch over. Let's just talk about the game. What went right? What went wrong? And of course, when you start down 14-0, everyone's panicking. This defense stinks. The offense can't play on the road. This is not a Super Bowl team. We're a first-round exit type playoff team. Just relax. And I know it's easier said than done. I mean, you're looking at someone who obviously gets amped up for Saints games. It's easier for me to tell you relax from the microphone than it is um, during an actual game when they're down. But this Saints team, they might not be the best team that Sean Payton's ever had. They might not be the most talented team. But from a mental toughness standpoint, this is definitely the toughest team he's ever coached. Because it doesn't matter if someone gets hurt. Doesn't matter if calls go against them, and it doesn't matter if they're down in a game. You just know they're going to come back. They're gonna fight. And after going 13 and 3, having a bad call steal away a Super Bowl spotlight from you, some teams would feel resentment. Some teams would be bitter, and they would never be able to get past that. And because of that, you get caught looking in the rearview mirror, and what happens? You hit something in front of you and you crash. And that's why people like Colin Cowherd thought the Saints were going to be bad this year. They thought that the Saints were not going to be able to look past what happened in the NFC Championship game, and it'll come back to bite them. This team is 12-3. and They're one more win away from going back-to-back seasons with a 13-3 and record. And they just keep showing you time and time again, they're so resilient, and whatever hits them, they're going to be able to bounce back. And that's why I really like this team going into January. They're, they're a resilient bunch, and they're peaking at the right time. The Saints offense struggled. I get it. In the first quarter of the game, they did nothing. In the second quarter, it was a little choppy. And then Drew Brees starts hitting his passes. And Michael Thomas is making plays down the field. And oh, by the way, one Alvin Kamara saved his best game of the season for today. He had six catches for 30 yards, 80 rushing yards, and just 11 carries. So 7.3 yards per carry, which is phenomenal. And two touchdowns, one of them being a 40-yard sprint where he just blew past the defense. If Alvin Kamara gets going, and the Saints start to have this type of number 41 in the backfield where he's making men miss and he's just getting down the field in a hurry. I don't know how you stop them because you have to add Kamara into the mix with Michael Thomas, who he's better than he was last year, which is crazy to say. And then you got Jared Cook, who, yeah, Jared Cook only had three catches, but it was for 84 yards and two touchdowns. Jared Cook, he looks worth every penny that the Saints have spent on him. I really loved that pickup from the get-go, and I know everyone was harping on him for a slow start, but it was a new system, and he had to get acclimated into it, and now you're looking at Jared Cook, who has the most touchdowns he's ever had in a season with eight touchdown receptions. Um, He's over 600 yards. He might finish the year with about 750 and 10 touchdowns, and you get that after he missed a couple of games with an ankle injury, and Drew Brees went down, so he didn't really feel comfortable in this offense. That's a heck of a pickup. And I love the way that offense played down the stretch. You're talking about a team that's playing a Titans team that is desperate. And people could tell you this game didn't matter for Tennessee. And that's fine because technically it didn't. But Tennessee was playing hard football. They were up 14-0. They had a chance. And after going up 14-0, the Saints outscored them 38-18. to I'm sorry. Yeah, 38-14, to excuse me. That's pretty impressive, if you ask me. That's a really impressive victory for the Saints. And... Their defense, which looked horrendous in the first half, specifically the first quarter, somehow battled through and looked great towards the end. 
Patrick Robinson has not played a lot this year. P-Rob has dealt with ankle injuries, calf injuries, hamstring injuries, you name it, he's had it. And he hasn't played a lot. But Eli Apple goes down, and the Saints aren't necessarily ready to give Jenkins a big role yet because Janoris has to learn the playbook, and that's only normal. And Patrick Robinson goes in, and he keeps making play after play after play, and it's only fitting that the final play of the game to seal the victory was Patrick Robinson breaking up a pass in the end zone to let the Saints go into victory formation. I think that was fitting. And if you get Patrick Robinson to play the way he's playing, and P.J. Williams can go drop back into free safety and cover for a Marcus Williams who's hurt, that's a big boost. And might I add, the Saints won a game against a good Titans team that you can argue Saints played their worst half of football. The Saints were so sloppy when it comes to penalties. They finished this game with a whopping 11 penalties. So they had 11 penalties to the Titans' six. They still won. And the Saints also were missing their two offensive guards. Nick Easton was probably had his worst game as a pro today. And then Will Clapp was not strong either. So you got to you know think about how good this team can be if they shore up those penalties. And a lot of them were penalties that usually happen because of miscommunication and not having your starting guards out there. Most of the penalties were holding and a false start. And if you have your offense in there and you're at home, you can wipe out, in my opinion, five of those penalties immediately. And that changes the whole ballgame. So you get your two offensive guards healthy. You get your defense healthy when Marcus Williams comes back, Von Bell comes back, Kiko Lonzo's on the mend. He will return very soon. And how about that pass rush? Five sacks. I, I thought there was a little bit of concern after not beating you know, the Colts um, in the trenches, per se. I know the, the Saints beat down the Colts, but they really beat them down in a finesse-type manner for the Saints to beat the Titans in the way they did with five sacks, a lot of penalties going against them. You didn't have your starting offensive guards. And everyone loves to say that Drew Brees can't throw outdoors, but the man almost had 300 yards, had three touchdowns and no picks. This team is, this might be the team. And you know what? Maybe 2017 felt nice and it was a magical run. And a lot of people, myself included, said 2018 was the Saints year. Maybe the third time's a charm. Because this team has all the elements of a team that should win a Super Bowl. A great quarterback. A defense that's opportunistic, which they were with the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, or should I say CJ Gardner-Johnson fumble that he returned, uh, that he uh, forced and recovered. I mean, that changes the whole game. A bunch of sacks when they needed it. A couple of third down stops that were crucial. Um, so you got a, a Hall of Fame quarterback, an amazing play caller as your coach, an opportunistic defense. And do you have co-stars that can help your quarterback? Well, let's see. The Saints have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Jared Cook is starting to become a weapon. And let's not forget the Saints now are starting to get Taysom Hill a little bit more involved. Murray's getting involved. If they can just get Traquan or Ted Ginn to just turn the corner, this Saints offense is going to take an, either, uh, an even bigger step. And you always have to look at what you do um, towards the end of the year on offense. I, I think the Saints defense is consistent in the fact that they're never going to be too great and they're never going to be too bad. And you're just going to have to live with them being a middle-of-the-pack defense. And that's fine. Um, but what is your offense able to do? So let's look at it. You score 46 against the Niners. Then you come out and you drop... 34 on the Colts, and then you come out and give 38 to the Titans. They're playing their best football. They're an ascending team heading into January, and that's why I really think this might be the year for the Saints to make that run. I really do. You got, like I said, an offense peaking and a defense that's playing opportunistic football, and mind you, is going to get help. This defense is only going to get better when Kiko Alonso comes back. They're only going to get better when Von Bell comes back, and I think that's going to help a lot. You have Gardner Johnson, who's playing phenomenal football. 
Patrick Robinson's playing well. Now, Eli Apple's injury is a concern. I wouldn't be shocked if he misses the rest of the season. Like, I, I just wouldn't be. Um, I don't know anything on it right now. I, I don't think anyone has the information as to what he suffered. But I think it's something to monitor. But if they lose Apple and they still have Jenkins, they still have P-Rob, they have P.J. Williams, Marcus Williams, Von Bell, they have Garner Johnson, the secondary will be able to hold it down. Bring back Kiko to shore up the linebackers, uh, linebacker corps. Seems going to get better. I really like where they're ascending. And I'll talk about what's next for them um, and, and what the playoff seating will look like in the second half of this show. I'll talk about what the Saints need a tweak moving forward for that Carolina game. Um, and I'll also address some of your questions that you guys left for me on Twitter. All that coming up right after this short message. Welcome back inside Big Easy in the Big Apple. So I talked about Michael Thomas's record-breaking performance against the Titans. What the Saints actually did right, how their offense um, is reaching that ascending level. Now, before I get to the negatives and what the Saints need to fix moving forward, I'm going to answer some of your questions that you guys left for me on Twitter. And the first question um, I got from Darwin said, how likely are we to see the Saints acquire the first or second seed? Um, and if they do, would Davenport, Bell, Kiko Lonzo, and other inactives return after the bye week that's a good question reality is if the saints get the first or second seed i as long as they don't get injured again in another game you'll see von bell and kiko alonzo back davenport's done the season's over for him uh it's a foot injury that definitely will require a longer period of time for his rehab but i think kiko the fact that he practiced at, in some capacity this past week was good and then von bell no one has said what it what it is but the fact that the saints were so quick to put Saquon Hampton on IR and they've left Von Bell on the active roster the last two weeks tells me that it's not that major of, a, of an injury. It's an injury that obviously has required him to miss the Colts and Titans game, but they do expect him to be back, whether it's week 17 or for the playoffs. So I think you'll see Bell and Kiko Alonso back, which would be huge to get them in the fold for this Saints defense. Now let's switch over to the next question that we got going on. And Jack, Jack asked, Thoughts on Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook having big days and what it means for the offense going forward. I mean, I've said it before, but I'll definitely reiterate. The fact is, if those two continue to do what they're doing, and I think Cook has earned the right to be, you know, full-on supported by the fans in the sense that you should know what you're getting from Cook. He plays fantastic down the seams. He's a mismatch guy. Um, I, I think we're seeing it. We saw in the Niners game. We saw in the... Um, game today against the Titans. And heck, if he didn't drop two passes against the Falcons, he would have another two touchdowns in that game too. Like Cook is just playing so well that I think the offense already knows what they have in him. Kamara is the big one. If he gets going, we're going to see them take another level, which is insane to think that this Saints offense, with the way they're playing the last couple of games, has another gear, but I do, I believe they do. Um, and I think with AK getting those two touchdowns, watch his confidence now. He is going to shoot up uh, in confidence level. And maybe we'll see him make a couple of guys miss. And we started to uh, see that unfold later in that Titans game. So I really like where this offense is heading. I think they have a third gear, and they're going to kick into it as playoffs. Uh, playoff football comes around. Uh, next question, Jared Cook is here, number two, question mark. Surprised at the lack of reps for Murray and is Kamara back in form? Yeah, Jared Cook's their number two in terms of pass catchers. He's just so elusive. Um, it's rare to get a guy that's like 6'5", like Cook, who's got a big frame and is very fast. But the Saints have one. 
Um, as for Murray, it, it's always about the flow of the game. The tight ends were really physical up front, and what threw them off more than anything were it was AK's speed. I mean, if you're pounding them with Murray, and then AK comes in, and he just blows through the defense, it's tough to match up. Um, but the Titans played physical football, and I think more than anything, that's why Murray didn't get as many reps as he did. And then also factor in, the Saints were down 14 nothing. So you're not going to continue to pound the rock with Murray if you're Sean Payton because you want to throw the football down 14 nothing. So who do you put in? AK. And then you put line in for pass blocking situations. So I liked the way they handled it. Would I like to see Murray more involved? Yeah, of course. But I'm not worried about his reps. They gave him the usual amount of touches. He got about 10 touches this game. Um, it's all about what he does with those touches. Uh, and I think we'll see him play better um, next week against the Panthers. As for Kamara, I know it's unfair to say one game is he back and form, but the way he played and the confidence he showed, I have to think that Alvin Kamara is back into form. So we'll see what he does. Next question, thoughts on Janoris Jenkins and his play now that you've seen a game with him. I don't really know if I can make a judgment off one game where Janoris doesn't know the full playbook and is thrusted into more action because Eli Apple gets injured. Like I just think that's unfair um, if I were to do that. But this is what I'll say. Janoris Jenkins has a lot of flaws. He holds a lot. He's very aggressive. But you're you're playing Janoris for that one big turnover. Can he take the ball away from the opposing offense? And if you can live in a, in a sense where he'll get beat from time to time, but then he comes up with a huge pick, I, I think if you're the Saints, you'd live with it. He didn't get beat to the point today where you're like, oh, man, Jenkins looks like a you know an issue. And I just don't think he played enough and, and has enough time in this defense for me to really judge him on a game where he wasn't ready. I think next week with a full another week of practice for him to learn DA system, I think we'll see Janoris take a step up. Um, so it'll definitely be interesting. Last question: What are your thoughts about the Saints playing on the road in the playoffs? It's very probable that that happens. Uh, I think we can hang with anyone anywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, I really do uh, believe that. Um, I, I think that the way the Saints are constructed on on offense and on defense, they could play anywhere. Um, the issue is. Because this team is banged up and because the Saints do have such a great um, advantage at home in terms of crowd noise, you want home field. But if they have to play on the road, I'm not so much worried about what the Saints would have to do to win on the road. My concern is, do the Saints have what it takes because of all these injuries to win three games in the NFC playoffs? The bye isn't so much about home field because we've seen the Saints, they've lost one road game this year. And the road game was when Drew Brees got hurt. So it's not like LA's crowd noise just stunned um, the the Saints. It's just Drew Brees got hurt. They didn't know what to do. um, And it happened. They lost. It's not that big of a deal. Um, But what I think is really important for the Saints right now is getting the bye week so that you have that extra week off. And you let everything unfold in front of you. um, And just don't beat yourself. We've We've seen teams like the Saints go into the last week, um, and, and they've slacked off. Just play hard, win out. The Packers will maybe lose on Monday to the Vikings. The Seahawks could win, lose this week and win next week. Who freaking knows? Um, all I know about the Saints team is if they get a bye and they just have to play two home games or just two games in general, I like their spot. The only reason I'm worried about them playing on the road a lot is because that might mean they have three, um, you know, two road games and one at home. Three NFC games is tough. That's the only reason why I'm not the biggest fan of that format for the Saints and that path. I don't know if it's an easy path to Super Bowl at all. It'd be pretty tough for them to get there. Now, before I talk about the updated NFC standings and what's going on, uh, quickly, just going to address what the Saints need to fix. 
what the Saints really need to fix is just the pre-snap penalties and the holding calls. And I think that's something that will be fixed when the offensive line is at full strength. If you look at who was in today, you had Clapp, you had Easton. Reality is if they're healthy, you have Warford in, you have Pete in, you have a semblance of a almost all Pro Bowl caliber offensive line, and you hope that the false starts go away. And I think also the false starts and the holding penalties are something that not only is about injuries, it's just about having camaraderie, camaraderie, excuse me. And if you look at the offensive line, Armstead's missed a game. Uh, Pete's missed time with the broken arm. Now Warford's missing time with the knee injury. The Saints have shuffled a lot of guys in. And I think because of that, you don't have a cohesive unit that's been there from start, you know, week one all the way to week, what is it, 16 now. So I think that's part of the issue. And I think that's something they'll fix. As for the defensive side of the football, I think their biggest issue right now, more than anything, is tackling. And I know that sounds like I'm just making a, a harsh reaction to what I saw today against the Titans. And even though they won, there were just a couple of issues there. The reality is, with this team in particular, tackling really has cost them some games. For example, the Niners loss. If you tackle Kittle, yeah, the Niners get a first down. But they're in their own territory. They're not marching down the field and in field goal range out of nowhere. I think that's a big thing. And now, when you're 12-3, and three, you have to nitpick to find mistakes. And that's why I'm telling you it's the little things. It's can they shore up a tackle on fourth down? Or can they, you know, avoid a false start or offensive holding at such a, you know, a high rate? I think those are things they'll have to fix um, in terms of that. And the last thing, and it's something I don't know if you can fix, it's just can you get a wide receiver not named Michael Thomas to step up? I've already stated before, I think Thomas, Kamara, and Cook are forming one of the best trios in all of football when it comes to offensive weapons. But do you have another receiver? Can Traquan show us what he did last week against the Colts on a consistent basis? I'd love to see that. Or can Ted Ginn get going? Honestly, with the way I've been watching Ginn, the last good game he had, in my opinion, was probably the Chicago one. Like, it's been that long since we've seen him really make an impact. So can one of those get on the board, though? Because I've stated multiple times, I love the triplets that they have working there, and then I like what Taysom Hill's doing. I also like what Josh Hill's doing sometimes as well, but they need one more piece just to be decent. Can you give me two catches for 40 yards, three catches for 50 yards, something like that, just to uh, take the top off the defense a little bit just so they have one more element? Because right now, with the way they're clicking, 46 against the Niners, 34 against the Colts, 38 against the Titans, one more weapon will help solve a little bit of the issue uh, that, that showed up in the playoffs last year, in my opinion. But it's just getting another threat, especially vertically, offensive line just avoiding pre-snap penalties, and the defense just shore up the tackling. Garden Johnson missed a tackle here and there. Williams, uh, Marcus Williams, excuse me, missed a tackle, I believe, twice or three times at one point during the previous game. So just fix those issues. And I think this team will be fine. And at the end of the day, they're 12 and three. They've won their division. They're fighting for a top seed in the NFC. They're in a great spot. It's all about just becoming better. So those little mistakes don't show up in the postseason. Now, before I wrap up this episode real quick, I just want to talk about the NFC playoff picture and what the Saints need to happen. So since I had to edit this real quick, I'll just throw these notes in. Seattle lost to Arizona. Green Bay plays Monday night against Minnesota. And the Niners beat the Rams on Saturday. So where did that leave the Saints? Right now, the Saints are the two seed. Um, the Niners would be the one. The Packers are the three. If Minnesota loses, I mean, if uh, Minnesota wins, excuse me, and beats Green Bay, the Saints stay at two. And basically what it confirms is if the Saints beat Carolina and take care of business uh, next weekend, they are at the worst, the number two seed, which means they get a bye week play a home playoff game, and then who knows? Maybe you host the NFC Championship or you're on the road in Santa Clara. But at the very least, a Packers loss gives you a bye week. Now, if Seattle were to beat San Francisco and New Orleans would take care of business, New Orleans would be the one seed, which would also be nice, of course. 
But what you're really looking forward as a Saints fan, Monday night, you're rooting for the Vikings. I know, sounds disgusting, but you're rooting for Minnesota to beat Green Bay, push the Saints into the two seed and confirm it and lock them there. And then you just see what happens on that Sunday night game. The Saints will have the luxury next weekend of if they take care of business, they can sit back, relax, watch the Sunday night game, know they have a bye week, they don't have to go through wild card weekend, and we'll see who they verse in the divisional round, and then they'll know who maybe uh, their NFC Championship opponent is if they get that far, uh, per se, whether it's Seattle, San Francisco, who knows. Um, But that's really important. The NFC playoff picture, like I said, rooting against Green Bay tomorrow um, and just rooting for the Saints to take care of business against the Panthers next week. It's really not as crowded as it once uh, was. The scenarios really opened up for them. Seattle losing today was big, and we'll see if Green Bay loses tomorrow. And if that happens, it's probably as good of a weekend as the Saints could have with uh, Green Bay dropping an NFC game. Seattle dropping a game would be really big um, for New Orleans right there. But that's going to do it for this episode of Big Easy and the Big Apple. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Stay tuned for more content. I'll probably have a YouTube video up within the next coming days. And I'll also have my preview video for Saints-Panthers, which will be the regular season finale. That will definitely be fun. I'll get into all that, get into the injury report later in the week. But until then, I hope whoever's celebrating has a very Merry Christmas, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. So thank you so much for listening, guys, and I'll talk to you later.